Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, a protester with a gun disrupted drag queen story time at a public library. Anti-gay former county clerk Kim Davis may have to pay big bucks for denying same-sex couples marriage licenses. New Jersey will soon have an LGBTQ-inclusive curriculum in schools. And Empire star Jussie Smollett was attacked in a homophobic racist assault in Chicago. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. A protester armed with a gun barged into a Houston public library this past week in an attempt to disrupt drag queen story time. James Doc Green Sr., who was previously issued a trespassing warning by the Houston Public Library for similar protests, entered the Freed Montrose Library on Saturday last week at 1.45 p.m., just minutes before the monthly story time event. When Green refused to leave, library management called the police for help. A spokesperson for the Houston Police Department told Outsmart Magazine, quote, A manager asked us for assistance because Green was banned from the library and would not leave when he was asked. He was previously banned for filming children at the library and has been known to cause disturbances. Several officers had to escort him out. Green, a conservative radio host for Raging Elephants Radio, was disarmed by the police, put in handcuffs, and placed in a police car. At that point, he began to complain of chest pains, and so an ambulance was called and Green was transported to a local hospital. The district attorney declined to press charges. During the incident, Green asked the police officers, How am I trespassing? I want the law. I want to see the law. How many cops does it take to tell me what the law is? An officer told him, You were given a trespass warning. They've requested you not to be on the property anymore. After several minutes of citing his status as a taxpayer and member of the press, Green was shown the trespass affidavit, but he disregarded it. The police then escorted him out of the building, where he declared for the cameras, We have a bunch of homosexuals that are molesting children, and they're doing it with your help. So there are drag queens, and then there's a drama queen. I think we have enough queens for the day. Yep. Organizers of Drag Queen Storytime say protesters are nothing new for the event, which features drag queens reading to children and their parents to encourage imagination and creativity. On January 3rd, Chief U.S. District Judge Lee H. Rosenthal dismissed a lawsuit by anti-LGBTQ activists who were attempting to stop the events in Houston. Drag Queen Storytime has, in fact, become so popular, it was recently announced that there will be additional readings added to the schedule. The state of Victoria is set to become the first in Australia to ban so-called conversion therapy. Ahead of attending the Midsummer Pride March, Daniel Andrews, the Premier of Victoria, which is similar to our governors in the U.S., 
announced plans to introduce legislation that will prohibit the harmful practice after an extensive investigation by the Health Complaints Commissioner found that those who have been subjected to conversion therapy experience psychological injury. Andrews called conversion therapy an evil practice, he's right, and said it had pushed shame and stigma onto LGBTQ people. In his announcement, he wrote, These activities, commonly referred to as gay conversion therapy, claim to be able to change someone's sexuality or gender identity. What they really are is a most personal form of torture, a cruel practice that perpetuates the idea that LGBTQ people are in some way broken. But it's not LGBTQ people who need change, it's our laws. He closed the announcement by saying, Here in Victoria, not only are you good enough, you're worth celebrating. Equality Minister Martin Foley told News.com.Australia that it will be a year before the legislation is introduced to Parliament so that they can engage in a consultation process and ensure the laws are exactly right. The government in Victoria has taken several steps in the past to improve the lives of LGBTQ people in the state. Since 2014, the government has invested more than $60 million towards initiatives to make the community a more equal place for LGBTQ people. The state also appointed Victoria's first Gender and Sexuality Commissioner and delivered legislation to provide equality in adoption. Back in 2015, then-candidate for Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan was proud to announce he absolutely supported Kim Davis, the infamous county clerk who denied marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Even though the U.S. Supreme Court had ruled that marriage equality had become the law of the land, Davis refused to issue the licenses, citing her deeply held religious beliefs. It is important to note that those deeply held religious beliefs about the sanctity of marriage didn't stop her from marrying three different men four times. So, there's that. At the time, the state required the name of the county clerk to appear on each marriage license, and Davis saw that as a tacit endorsement of same-sex marriage. Digging in her considerable heels, she stopped issuing marriage licenses altogether. Gay and straight couples, now unable to marry, sued Davis with the help of the American Civil Liberties Union. The result was a federal judge ordering Davis to issue the licenses, but she still refused. And so it was that the judge found her in contempt of court, and she was jailed for five days, making her the darling of the anti-LGBTQ crowd. The eventual solution was the Kentucky legislature changing state law that required county clerks' names on marriage licenses. The gay and straight couples were issued marriage licenses, and the lawsuit against Davis was dismissed in that the issue had been resolved. Davis went on to write a book, campaigned for a failed same-sex marriage ban in Romania, and then this past November was voted out of office. I only wish I had a sad trombone sound here. But the sad tale isn't quite done yet. There is, as they say, the issue of the bill. In 2017, a district judge ruled that the state of Kentucky had to pay the $222,000 legal costs of the gay and straight couples who had brought the lawsuit against Davis. According to the Associated Press, lawyers for now Governor Matt Bevan say state taxpayers, quote, should not have to collectively bear the financial responsibility 
for Davis's intransigence. In a legal brief filed with the court, Bevan's attorney Palmer Vance wrote, Only Davis refused to comply with the law as was her obligation and as required by the oath of office she took. Her local policy stood in direct conflict with her statutory obligation to issue marriage licenses to qualified Kentucky couples. Davis had an independent and sworn duty to uphold the law as an elected county officer. Now, for clarity, both Bevins and Davis believe that the court should not award any legal fees, saying that the gay and straight couples didn't technically win the lawsuit since it was dismissed after the legislative action. Steve Pitt, an in-house lawyer for the governor, says Bevins, quote, continues to support Miss Davis's actions, but if legal fees are to be awarded, the taxpayers of Kentucky are not responsible to pay the ACLU's attorney fees. Davis's lawyer, Matt Staver of the virulently anti-LGBTQ organization Liberty Council, which has been labeled an extremist group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, argues that Davis was acting on behalf of the state. Since Bevins appealed the initial ruling regarding court costs, the two sides faced off this past Thursday at the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in Cincinnati, where a three-judge panel heard arguments on who will pay the legal fees. Stay tuned for the resulting ruling. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy signed a new bill into law on Thursday requiring LGBTQ-inclusive education across the state. According to the governor's website, the new law requires boards of education in the state to, quote, include instruction and adopt instructional materials that accurately portray political, economic, and social contributions of persons with disabilities and lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. The policy will go into effect in the 2020-2021 school year. Teachers using the provided materials will begin teaching students about significant contributions made by LGBTQ people and people with disabilities. It's unclear if the policy applies solely to history classes or other subjects such as literature. In 2017, California adopted 10 new inclusive textbooks as part of their 2011 Fair Education Act. They became the first state in the U.S. to make such a move. Illinois introduced a similar bill to New Jersey's, but it remains in limbo right now and hasn't been made into law. Massachusetts has created a new inclusive curriculum, but it's optional for schools to adopt unless it's mandated at the local level. At this time, only California and New Jersey's new curriculums are law. Almost a week after Empire star Jesse Smollett was assaulted in Chicago by two men who used homophobic racist slurs during the attack, the actor and singer showed up for his already scheduled concert at the Troubadour in Los Angeles last night. So many words on my heart that I want to say. Um, um, thank you. But um, the most important thing that I can say is just to give you something, just say thank you so much, and that um, I'm okay.
fully healed yet, but I'm going to. And, That's right. and um, I'm gonna stand strong with y'all. It sounds, I, I had to be here tonight, y'all. Yeah. And it sounds powerful, but I couldn't let those motherfuckers win. <laughs> so I will always stand for love. I will never stand for anything other than that. Regardless of what anyone else says, I will only stand for love. And I hope that you all stand with me. So thank you. Let's have a good show. Let's have a good time. Let's do it. Before his final encore, Smollett said there were a few points of fact that he wanted to clear up regarding reports of the attack. Here's how he cleared that up. Um, there's just a couple of points that I wanted to make really quick. Just because it's... Uh, Four points. My little sister is literally like Olivia Pope, like she's in the back. <laughs> I was bruised, but my ribs were not cracked. They were not broken. I went to the doctor immediately. Frank Gatson drove me. I was not hospitalized. Both my doctors in LA and Chicago cleared me to perform, but said to take care, obviously. And above all, I fought the fuck back. At the end of the concert, as he exited the stage, Smollett announced to the crowd, We are proud, we are gay. For those who haven't followed the story, in the early hours of Tuesday morning this past week, Two men attacked Smollett, shouting homophobic and racial slurs. They reportedly put a noose around Smollett's neck and poured an unknown chemical substance on him. He was hospitalized after the attack and discharged later that morning. On Friday, he issued his first statement saying, Let me start by saying, I'm okay. My body is strong, but my soul is stronger. More importantly, I want to say thank you. The outpouring of love and support from my village has meant more than I will ever able to truly put into words. When the news of the attack first surfaced, Chicago police said they were investigating if it was a hate crime. Um, homophobic and racist slurs, yeah, mm, A plus mm, equals. Hate crime, got it. On Wednesday, they released photos of persons of interest in the case. The FBI is also investigating the assault. Disney is hosting its own official Pride event for the first time at Disneyland Paris, welcoming the LGBTQ community to celebrate diversity at the place where dreams come true. For the first time, Disney will present Magical Pride, a celebration of pride, fairy dust, diversity, and all things Disney, taking place on June 1st, 2019. Inspired by Gay Days, the unofficial event held at Disneyland Resort in California and Walt Disney World Resort in Florida, Magical Pride at Disneyland Paris first took place in 2014 as an unofficial event and has grown each year. 
Last year, Disney experimented with selling Pride merchandise like rainbow Mickey Mouse ears in boutiques. The new official Pride event in June is expected to draw thousands from around the world. The Arkansas Supreme Court has ruled that the city of Fayetteville can't enforce its anti-discrimination law as a case challenging it works its way through the courts. In 2015, Arkansas passed a law which bans cities and local municipalities from passing anti-discrimination laws that protect categories not mentioned in state law. Arkansas doesn't ban discrimination against LGBTQ people. But the city of Fayetteville, primarily a college town of over 70,000 people, banned discrimination against LGBTQ people in both government and private employment. Fayetteville and Eureka Springs are the only two cities in the state that ban anti-LGBTQ discrimination. In 2017, the state Supreme Court ruled that Fayetteville can't enforce its ban because of the 2015 law. The city decided to challenge the constitutionality of that law, and a Washington County judge ruled that they could continue to enforce their ordinance until their challenge is decided. But the state Supreme Court has now overruled the county judge's decision, saying that the judge exceeded his jurisdiction. The state Supreme Court's ruling doesn't mean that the 2015 law is constitutional or unconstitutional, only that Fayetteville can't enforce its law for now. Currently, three states have laws banning cities and local municipalities from passing their own LGBTQ anti-discrimination laws. Arkansas, North Carolina, no surprise there, and Tennessee. I recently attended the Nevada Ballet Theater's annual Black and White Gala, which honored true EGOT Rita Moreno as Woman of the Year. My husband Michael and I are both huge fans for many reasons. First, there's her scintillating turn as Anita in the blockbuster movie West Side Story, for which she won the Oscar. Her television work, which includes PBS's The Electric Company, The Muppets, and The Rockford Files, two Emmy Awards right there, and, of course, her brilliant performance in the film adaptation of the Broadway play The Ritz. Having already won a Tony Award for the role on Broadway, her performance on screen gives us all the chance to enjoy bathhouse entertainer Googie Gomez forever. Googie performs with two backup dancers, Duff and Tiger, at the bathhouse, and so my husband Michael asked if we could take a Duff and Tiger pick with the diva and she didn't hesitate to sum up some googie for a fabulous photo. You can find the photo on therandyreport.com, taken by my dear friend, the fabulous Denise Trisello for Getty Images. Now just, this is funny. Over on the Getty site, the caption for the photo reads, Michael Caprio, Rita Moreno, and Randy Slavacek arrive at Nevada Ballet Theater's 35th annual Black and White Ball at Aria on January 26, 2019 in Las Vegas, Nevada, which really makes me laugh because it sounds like we came with her. So anyway, I did get a couple of minutes to chat with the regal Rita on the red carpet. So I thought I'd share this with you. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not a red carpet interviewer. I thought I was going to get about five minutes. It turned into three minutes. So you get what you get on the red carpet. But here is me chatting for just a second with Rita Moreno. We talk about the upcoming reboot of the movie of West Side Story, where she will have a gender-bending role. I mentioned the fact that I worked with Treat Williams, her co-star from The Ritz, and a couple of other things. Here we go. 
chat with us? Thank you. So I'm going to take the time to chat while we can. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so my first question, 1961, West Side Story, the world fell in love with Anita, a strong woman. I feel like the world is just catching up sometimes today. Uh, you're right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here we are today, and West Side Story is about to be revisited, and you're going to be a part of it. It's going to be redone, yes, by uh, Steven Spielberg. And the uh, book is going to be written by uh, Tony Kushner, Angels in America. And you're going to appear in the in the movie. I'm going to appear in the movie. In the gender bending. Well, uh, it's Doc's candy store. Yes. But Doc is now he's died, okay. and I am his wife Valentina. That's how they're doing Awesomeness. it. Awesomeness. <laughs> but it'll be a totally different oh. chemistry, a different synergy for you and whoever's playing Tony. Absolutely. It'll be a different thing. It's time. That's right. I love that because here we are today. It's a different thing. It's, and we can, everything it's old be is new again. a very different thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Second. Yeah. The gay world loves the Ritz. So, Googie Gomez. So, Googie Gomez. And Tiger and Duff. Yes. Now, I, have, I just found out... You created Googie. Oh, I did. I invented some of it for Terrence. I invented her. So you were at a party. I was at a party with Jimmy Coco. Yes. And Coco, Jimmy. You doing Last of the Red Hot Lovers? Yeah. Yes. We did it together. And uh, Jimmy said, Rita, do that crazy Puerto Rican for Terrence. He's going to love it. So I did Everything's Coming Up Roses. And I did uh, the Player King speech from Hamlet. That's fabulous. With the accent. Yes. Which is hilarious. Yes. And Terrence uh, just flipped. And he said, I'm going to write a part for that character. And they called you like a year later, I understand? The script they was said, ready. They written. Yeah. yeah. And the rest is history. We yeah. love, we love that character. Is she marvelous? Uh, just so perfection. And, and she's just such a wonderful through line through the whole movie. I know. Um, Tony Award. I also have to say, uh, one degree of separation. My last Broadway show was uh, the first revival of Stephen Sondheim's Follies with Treat Williams. Oh my gosh! Which I love. Now you sing? Yes, I sing and dance. And wow! I, and um, so I got to work with Treat and Blythe Danner and Judy Ivy and uh, wow. my dear Polly Bergen. Uh, we closed on our birthday. She and I have the same birthday. But um, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I was a huge fan of Treat, in great part because of the Ritz. <laughs> I also want to ask, we're here at the Nevada Ballet Theater Gala, Woman of the Year. Let's talk about dance for a second, because dance is so easy, right? It's it's hard. Oh, God, it's hard. It it's so a foundation hard. for us. Once a dancer, always a dancer, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's... Uh... But I, what a wonderful organization this is. Isn't it wonderful? Absolutely. I love it, and I love that they're helping kids from the inner city. I think it's spe- spectacular. She truly is amazing and inspirational. And yes, I totally fanboyed out. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. Hey friends, I know this cool podcast. Listen to it. Here's the link from iTunes or SoundCloud or therandyreport.com. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. 
See you next time.